0: Well, this morning we are going to be starting uh, an exciting new series, one that I'm really excited about. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles and uh, turn to the book of Colossians, the 51st book in the Bible, Um, one that is, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm excited about this book. It is really, I believe, for us in our season of life as a church, one that is going to be deeply transformative as we really dive into it and see the, the high view of Jesus Christ uh, coupled with the high practical working out of this good news of Jesus Christ. So uh, let's read together what we're going to be doing. this I'll tell you later, but we're breaking it into four sections for this whole uh, mini-series because it's 26 weeks, which is half of what we did with Exodus. So it is a mini-series. Um, And what we're going to do for each of these four sections is I'm going to read, much like what we did with Jonah, I'm going to read a whole section, but each week we're going to focus in a different part of that. And the reason why we're going to read over this section repeatedly, so this first section is going to be eight weeks, you're going to hear this same text over and over and over again, because I want it to take root into your heart and into your mind, so it actually becomes a memorizing tool, so you are so familiar with it, that when needed, which is going to be frequently, your heart and your mind will bring it to the forefront, and you're going to go, oh yes, that's right. Christ is preeminent in all things. I needed that for today. So here are these words starting off verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father, Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit and also... giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And here's going to be our text for the morning. This is the word of the Lord. So, a number of years ago, I realized that I was having problems. Um, At first, it was I thought maybe it's just because I'm getting older, and some of you, some of you can identify with this. All of a sudden, you got creaks and cracks and your, your back doesn't feel as well or maybe it's your knee or maybe it's something else that's just bothering you. But I was noticing that I was getting reoccurring back pain. Recurring back pain. So I went to a chiropractor for I don't know how long, and finally I got tired of that because it just wasn't working. And I went to a pain management doctor, and the doctor said, you know what, this is what I can do. I can give you a shot here, I can give you a shot there, and then you can come back, but it's really not going to be addressing the issue. I think you need to go to a physical therapist. I'm going, ah, that sounds like a lot of work, but I went to physical therapist, and uh, this, doc, this physical therapist uh, is a physical therapist for the Chicago Blackhawks, so he kind of understands pain management. You know, these guys get beat on, they're thrown up against the wall, and their backs are thrown out, they're on the ice all the time, and he said, you know what, Paul, we can keep on doing this, and we can keep on doing this, but the issue is, what needs to be addressed is we need to strengthen your core. You have a weak core. And as a man that kind of shot me to the heart. I'm going, you don't know my inner strength. <laughs> but uh, I'm going, part of me goes, that makes sense. And he said, listen, if, if we strengthen these core muscles that you have, it would help, if not solve, the vast majority of your back problems because a strong core helps keep the rest of your body aligned. And while I loathe, loathe the idea of crunches and sit-ups and working out and the possibility of running, even if it's on a treadmill, I loathe those ideas. The reality is, he's right. It's the very thing that I need. I need to focus on my core. Even this morning, my wife said, so, are we going to work out this week? And I'm going... Yes, I'm preaching about this. Yes. So three times this week, we're already deciding we are going to get our butts out of bed at 5.15, be at the gym by 5.30 to work for, out, out for at least an hour if I, we can manage it. And that's a you know, god-awful hour, but that's the time that we can do it. But it's, it's necessary to start building this strength again. So this word core, by definition, means what is central, what is inmost, and what is the most essential part of anything. In exercise, it's that muscle group in our abdomen. In science, it is the nucleus of an atom. In in geology, it's that mass, 3,231 miles in the center of the earth. That is composed of iron and nickel. In, in business, it's something that you, you leverage for those consumer needs. It's, and it's hard as a, to imitate that very thing that is the center of a business. And it can be leveraged by many products and, and markets. In other words, it's kind of like what pizza is to Pizza Hut. It's central to who they are. In terms of your annual review, it's your key gifts and your competencies that you have been given and your values. It it is the fundamental beliefs to which you hold tightly. So here's my question for you this morning that I really want you just to kind of marinate in and ponder. When it comes to your spiritual life, what is your core? What is the central, innermost, most essential part of your spiritual life, your, your soul life? What is the defining center around which the rest of your life orbits? Today, we're in this study through the book of Colossians, it's going to be addressing those questions. And then this New Testament book identifies the core of Christianity like few other books do in the Bible. The writer Paul uses only four chapters to succinctly and powerfully highlight the centrality of Christ and demonstrate how it applies to the rest of your life. And Paul wants to bring to to that church in Colossae, and he wants to bring us back to the core of the message of the gospel so that they will learn how do you then live? as Christ followers. Next week, we're going to kind of be looking at the cultural context, context of the church in Colossae, and we're going to figure out what this false teaching was going on in the background. But today, I simply want to identify the singular message of this glorious book. And it is this. Jesus is the center of Of everything, the center of everything. Therefore, our our title is The Core Living with Jesus at the Center. So, my aim for this series is to help you see how central Jesus is in all of creation. And how this centrality should affect every stinking area of your life. Your public life and your private life. The area that everybody sees and the areas that you think nobody is looking at. The centrality of Christ affects every area of your life. In other words, we will learn much about Jesus Christ so that we can be more Jesus-centered. So needless to say, I'm a little excited about this this ser- the series, and I believe that God's really going to be teaching us some really powerful, wonderful things. So, to kind of help push that through as our whole congregation, Todd is going to be working really hard at finding worship music that is going to help propel us into the word so that we can be word-centered through our, our singing and our singing praises and worshiping God. He's going to be working hard at doing those things. Secondly, though, we are going to be doing a challenge, and you are going to be receiving this challenge. Whether you choose to do it or not, that is up to you. But I believe that this is going to be a wonderful complement to what we are going to be doing. We're calling these core verses. And for each section, and you're gonna find out about these sections, we're gonna have four of them, but each section we are going to have a particular memory verse. That's right, many of you thought you escaped and graduated Sunday school. But we, we are going to have memory verses that capture the heart and the soul of the section that we're going to be in. So what you have on one side is the cheater version. If you, you need to kind of start off like me, you're going to the gym the first time and you need to start off easy. You don't start off with the big mass stuff because all it's going to do is crush you. You're going to start off with this for eight weeks. If you feel a little bit more muscular and pumped up and ready to deal with the real core issues, you're going to turn it over. That's right. It's prettier on this side. I should have done it the other way around. More visually attractive for the longer version, right? So what we're going to do is each Sunday, we're going to have uh, different ways to briefly review that memory work. Actually, we're going to review it. Some weeks, we're going to have a scheduled... Recitation for the whole church. And so some of you are going to just sit there going, pull it out of your Bible and read it. Some of you are going to be, you know, want to stand up and say, I got it. And that's going to be exciting. Other weeks, I'm just going to spontaneously ask, can somebody give the memory work that we've been working on? So I really want to challenge you to get beyond just reading Colossians. And I want you to meditate on it. I want you to chew on it. And I want you to memorize it. Bury it in your heart and your soul. So it's going to be a great series. I'm also asked, why Colossians? Why, why, why are we moving on from Exodus to Colossians? Well, um, there's four reasons. Here, here's the first reason. You ready? Back there, buddy. First one, It Colossians contains some of the most glorious, beautiful passages in scripture about Christ. Even what we read this morning, it is just, you know, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him he's before all things in him all things are held together he's a he's the super glue of the whole cosmos he is the hold it together guy he's the head of the church the, the body of the church he's the beginning the firstborn of the dead and that in everything he might be preeminent he he is the top dog For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or in earth, making peace through the blood of Christ. And then you got later on in Colossians chapter 2, just this beautiful picture, again, Colossians 2, 11 through 15, talking about the saving work of Christ, and how you were dead, 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 but through Christ, through the cross, he set a set aside our debt nailing it to the cross and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in himself so this book of Colossians with multiple angles and different viewpoints calls us to bask in the glory of the person and work of Jesus Christ It's like a diamond ring that has been freshly polished. The more you look at it, the more brilliant it looks. Secondly, it fits perfectly with what I believe is kind of Missio Dei's kind of main thing. To keep the main one, Jesus Christ, the main thing. And that's what we see here in the book of Colossians. And even as our church mission statement, put that up for me there, buddy. Our next one. Our our church mission statement is to be a church with passionate faith in Jesus Christ. Not in this church building, not in our programs, not in our missional opportunities, not in anything else. But a passionate, passionate faith in Jesus, (coughs) Jesus Christ that does what? It sacrificially loves, it it serves those in need, and it draws people into an ever-deepening relationship with this Jesus Christ. So I believe that's the priority for us, is to keep the main one, the main thing of all that we do. And do we do it perfectly? No, absolutely not. You know, just in some conversations with different people in our church, you know, there was a point where we were kind of missionally minded. Let's go out and serve. And even in that going out and serving, we were still missing some of the main thing. And the main thing is sharing the good news, not just our service, but sharing Jesus Christ. And do we have a long ways to go even here you know, even this week, how many of you have just said, man, openly, I have shared the good news of Jesus Christ. I've talked openly with strangers and lost people about Christ. Many of us will go, please don't ask me. I've been kind of me-centric right now. I'm the core. But this is going to propel us into keeping the main one, the main thing in all of our life. Third, it applies the centrality Jesus, to marriage, to home, and to work. You're going to find an elevated view of Jesus Christ in this book, and the Christology, the study, and the looking at Jesus Christ in Colossians just soars it's like a mountaintop experience with Jesus Christ, and at the same time, this book is extremely practical, and that's why I love Colossians. It's not just about Jesus and these big, heady thoughts. It's like, okay, so now what do we do with this? And I'm, I love it when I'm able to, to bask in the light and the greatness of God and then learn how to live it out in our everyday life. Colossians balances this elevated Christology in chapters 1 and 2 with the practical instructions in chapters 3 and 4. The material in this book is not just ivory tower kind of stuff, nor does it ask the questions that nobody is asking. This book moves from the lofty, exalted, preeminent Christ to the issues of morality Purity, anger, marriage, child-rearing, work. It infuses Christ-centeredness into real life. And then fourthly, why did I choose it? Because living Jesus-centered is a primary battleground in our lives. It really is. It's my belief that Jesus-centered living is really a battlefield that disciples of Jesus Christ face every day. The beauty of Colossians is the way that Paul calls the followers of Jesus Christ to live in light of the existing centrality of Christ. Hear this. The the whole Bible, the whole Bible is is Jesus-centered. Even heaven Is Jesus centered. And God made it that way to to constantly, so that we have to guard our hearts and our, our minds and our lives from moving away from that Jesus centeredness. You see, we don't often make Jesus the center of our lives. That is why coming together as a body of Christ again on a weekly basis for the Lord's Day is critical to kind of draw us back to center and remember this is what it's about. He's the one who saved you. Get on the horse again he's a center listen to even the powerful centrality of jesus christ in heaven listen to the romans chapter uh, romans revelation chapter 5 starting at verse 6 and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders i saw a lamb standing As though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes that are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went back and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen listen to this new song. Worthy are you to take this scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed the people of God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and and I heard around the throne the the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with one voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. It's almost like they're giving as many descriptions as they can for this Lamb who is worthy of it all. He's the center of it all. And I heard every creature, how many? Every, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then the four living creatures, all they could say is, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The real battle is to live in light of the centrality of Jesus and to let the priority of Christ take over. The challenge is to live out Colossians 3.17, which is another one of those that I really want you to kind of put into your, your gut and your heart. And whatever you do, whatever you do, In word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Everything that you do, knowing that Jesus is is the core, is one thing. Having a head knowledge is one thing. But the real challenge is living in such a way that every area of life is transformed by the centrality of Christ. Do you get it? It's one thing to know and show up here and sing songs and, you know, raise your hand. And maybe something you don't raise your hand, maybe you do a little hip sway. And yeah, oh, give me a little head nod during the sermon. That's, it's a whole nother thing to know. But it's a whole nother thing to live out the centrality of Christ in all of your life. So for those reasons, I, I feel it, like this is the time and place for us to be in Colossians. And it's my prayer that we're going to come to a fuller understanding of the eternal significance of the centrality of Christ. And then determine, as brothers and sisters to Christ, locking arms together, determined to live by Christ-centered, this Christ-centered core. And what I want you to do in this process, these 26 weeks together, is I want you to think Creatively about how Jesus could and should transform every area of your life. How does this Jesus-centeredness uh, translate and affect your, your worship, our corporate worship? How does it affect your Bible reading? How does it for, uh, affect your ministry, your giving, your TV watching, your kid raising? How does it affect your job and how you look at work? How does, how does this Jesus-centeredness relate to internet surfing, Facebook posting, iPod listening, prom, dating, relationships, you name it. How does it affect every area of your life? So I want to encourage you, take great notes. Take great notes. Discuss these things at home, which is one of your primary battlegrounds. The other primary battlegrounds is with brothers and sisters in Christ. Get connected into a missional community. Wrestle with these these ideas with each other but more than anything I want you to ask yourself this question what does Jesus a Jesus-centered life look like for me Jesus is the core so next week we're going to dive into some of the more historical and cultural background of this book and we're going to examine what even prompted Paul to, to write this book to, the, Colossi, and we're, to the, Colossi, the church in Colossae. And we're going to look specifically at what's considered the Colossian heresy. What was really going on there in that church. In other words, we're going to figure out the problem that Paul was trying to address. But today I simply want to help you by giving you the big picture overview of this whole book. So this book, in, this book in our series is going to be divided into to four parts. Uh, or you can kind of consider it the core. <laughs> I kind of felt like a, watch me nay, nay. Kind of, <laughs> you got the core here, <laughs> and then you got three orbits going around this core. So the core is living with Jesus at the center. That's our our first section. It's going to be eight weeks. Then we've got this orbit that's going to, our first orbit, it's going to be a Jesus-centered ministry. After that, we're going to have a Jesus-centered thinking. Thinking rightly. And then we're going to have a Jesus-centered living. So let me do a brief overview. First, Jesus at the center. We're going to be looking at Colossians 1, verses 1 through 23. Listen to these words, how Paul describes them. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, the creator of everything, in heaven, earth, visible, invisible, physical, spiritual, the pre-existent one, the sustainer of everything, the head of the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn of the dead. He is preeminent, the full revelation of God, and he is a great reconciler. These, these are the words that Paul used to describe the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Every word and every phrase highlights a unique and powerful and beautiful dimension of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Paul, Paul looks at Jesus from a multiple, multitude of different angles and, and celebrates the centrality and the supremacy and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And we are reminded that everything that Paul lists is a spiritual reality. These are facts. How many of you remember a man by the name of Walter Cronkite? Oh, there's only, yeah. Suddenly the age disparity comes very (laughs) clear. Every time that Walter Cronkite, a news anchor, would kind of sign off for the night How many of you remember how he would close it off? He would say what? And that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. And and these things that Paul lists in chapter one are the way things are in the universe. Paul is doing a Walter Cronkite saying, and that's the way it is. He's not saying, and you can choose to make Jesus center. No, the reality is Jesus is the center. He is sovereign. You don't make Jesus the head. You don't make Jesus preeminent. You don't make Jesus sovereign. He doesn't ask for your permission on these things. We don't elect him. He doesn't run for office. He doesn't even need your vote. He doesn't need your affirmation. Jesus is absolutely free, free from our approval, free from our consent, free from our validation. So we don't make him Lord. He is Lord. That's that's just the truth. That's the way it is. He is Lord. So the question is not whether or not he is the center That's an established fact. The real question is whether or not your life orbits around him, or and whether the various parts of your life orbit around him. In other words, you do not make him the center. You submit your life to the reality of Jesus Christ being the center. And as you do that, as you submit your life to the centrality of Jesus Christ, you come to realize often how off-kilter your life really is, isn't it? All of a sudden you go, oh man, if he's really the center, I am missing the boat here. You, you, you realize how meaningless life is really without him, and how grateful you are for his love and your grace, because you frequently find yourself off kilter in this orbit around Jesus. And you go, God, I am so thankful for your grace, because you know what? I am an idiot. I, I How quickly I forget. I have an extremely short-term memory, and I forget the reality that you are the center. And... The beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't need you in his orbit, but you need him. You need him. So you see the beauty of the centrality of Jesus is the way in which God is bringing back the entire creation through, back to him through the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The great plan of, of redemption is to reconcile the created with the creator. And Jesus is the central figure. The central figure in this divine drama. Just like Colossians 1, 19, 20 says. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself. How many things? All, all things. Whether in he- earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus is a center of creation, redemption, and worship, and the goal of Colossians is to help you and me to understand and appreciate the superiority of Jesus Christ in all things. And that is the focus of, these, uh, of the first 23 verses. Then we're going to go into our first orbit, a Jesus-centered ministry, and we're, we're introduced Uh, In verse 24, to this Jesus-centered ministry, Paul, in, in very pastoral, loving tones, shares his heart for the church. He moves quickly from the exaltation of Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Christ, to his deep love for those whom he is writing. His words are filled with love and concern. Listen to it. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the church, warning everyone and teaching everyone that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He goes on to say, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. That their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love. I say this in order that no one may delude you. I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. So so we see that getting Jesus at the center creates a motivation that is at the heart of ministry. From this comes, should be our driving force to, to minister to one another, to, to serve in ministries within the church, to, to give up our needs and our desire for the greater good of the whole. So when a ministry leader comes to you and says, Hey, Mike, I, I need you to help me out here. I've seen some gifts. Or maybe we can polish up some gifts, some talents. Or, man, you're just a raw body. I need some help here. You go quickly, Hey, I love the church. And I want to present everybody mature in Christ. Yeah, it might not be my passion or my gift, but I see the whole, and I want to love this church. I want to build them up. I want to see them mature in Christ. You name it. I'll do it. And if there's something in our heart that says, no, I got 26 other things that I'd much rather be doing, then there's, there's a question of our heart, right? Is Christ really the center Or is that an orbit that is kind of off-kilter and throwing everything out of whack? Jesus-centered ministry looks joyful and intentionally suffering. It it has loving correction. It has deep and personal pain. It, it, It is laboring in prayer. It is rejoicing in growth. And it has a relentless passion to see People learning to walk with Jesus Christ. And it all flows from a Jesus-centeredness. Not out of guilt. You cannot do ministry without Jesus at the center. The second orbit is Jesus-centered thinking. As we'll see next week, the church was exposed to a heretical teaching, a false teaching that was deeply poisoning their well. And uh, and Paul was concerned that they were getting caught up in this false teaching. And the solution was not just an an apologetic attack on this heresy, but a call for them to think rightly about Jesus. In this, this second section or this orbit, Paul identifies truth upon truth upon truth. Listen to this. In him the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. You have been filled in him. You were circumcised by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him, but you were also raised with him through faith. You were dead, but God made you alive, having forgiven us. He canceled the debt, record of debt that stood against us. Then he calls them to apply these truths with boldness. So let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and angel worship. And then he points them to Christ with this beautiful, strong, clarion call. If then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on these, on things that are above, not, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And where is Christ? Seated, Seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Think about Christ. Celebrate the truths about Christ. Live into the promises of God. Don't allow yourselves to be deluded or pressured into trusting anything else that this world may be offering. Set your mind on Christ because your life is hidden in Christ. Jesus is the core. So, the challenge here is to think about Christ. And I'm going to say this often. The problem with our thinking is that we don't think about our thinking. <laughs> you wonder why you're off course? Because you never think about why I'm going down this way. It's just somehow I'm going, how did I get over here? Why am I in this terrible situation where I'm caught in sin, I'm caught in pride, I'm caught in greed, I'm caught in this marital trap? How did I get over here? Because you've never thought about it. You don't think about your thinking. You don't think about your process. You're not thinking and thinking about the elevatedness of Christ. You forgot about it. And Colossians calls us to think about what we think about Christ our third orbit our final orbit is where Paul gets really practical his argument sounds like this if Jesus is the supreme core of everything put away anything that doesn't fit with him put it away and put on everything that does fit take off, put on integrating Jesus into every area of your life if Jesus really is the center which he is take off things that don't fit put on things that fit and live a life that is integrated into the centrality of Jesus Christ Jesus at the center repels stuff repels stuff and it creates other stuff and it transforms all relationships So we see first what Jesus-centered living repels in in chapter 3. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talking, and lying. I know none of you have struggled with that this week because you're really a great church. (coughs) Lie. (laughs) Wait, that's in here. Uh, This stuff doesn't fit in at all with Jesus-centered living. These are sins for which Jesus Christ died for. He died for those sins. And these sins indicate that self and the flesh are still in control and not Jesus. Secondly, we see what is beautifully created. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, patience. Bearing with one another forgiveness and ultimately the peace of Christ. And I love it when I can say, peace of Christ be with you and also with you, right? It's, it's hopefully becoming more and more of a, I get it. I'm taking off and I'm receiving more of this. And these things, these are the things that only make sense if Jesus is creating them. And thirdly, we see this invasion of Jesus into the relationships of our lives he's taken our lives by storm wives are to submit to their husbands husbands are to love their wives children are to obey their parents fathers should not provoke their children servants should obey their masters masters are to be fair to their servants and our speech should always be gracious Always be gracious. Do you see it? Orbiting around this core, all of our lives and all of our relationships, and every one of them is different because of what is at the core. Everything changes. Jesus is powerful enough to transform any and every area of our lives. And that's why this book is so transforming. Transforming. Living with Jesus Christ at the center could literally transform every area of your life. So hear me. Jesus is the core. He's the core of everything, of real ministry, of biblical thinking, and practical living. He's the core And yet there are some of you today who really underestimate Jesus. Starting with myself. You refuse to admit that you need a Savior despite God's constant wooing of you. You you develop religion without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You live as if Jesus was your buddy or your co pilot rather than the sovereign king of the universe. You compartmentalize your life saying that you believe in Jesus on Sunday or when he pops into your head or you see a billboard or you happen to hit 89.7 on the on the radio I believe in Jesus but you are backslidden and you play fast and loose with his lordship in your life or maybe this is you you use Jesus to get what you want to get to heaven to fix your marriage to get a better job feel better about yourself. Maybe you feel better about yourself because you look at other people. But you're using Jesus to get what you want. So where does Jesus find you today? Really, friends? Where does He find you today? Jesus is not just an add-on or an upgrade. He's not just something that you believe in or some spiritual lucky charm that you might have. He's not your co-pilot. He's not your buddy. And he's not your life coach. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He's the creator of everything. He's the pre-existent one. He's the sustainer of everything. He's the head of the church. He's the firstborn of the dead, and he is the preeminent one, the sovereign king. In other words, Jesus is not just your lackey. He is Lord of your life. He is the core and everything in life is to revolve around him. Everything. And the message of Colossians is a call of God to you today. It's a call to me that we need to learn how to live with Jesus Christ at the center. Amen? Amen? Who's with me? Thanks, John Meskis is with me. I want to challenge you give it 26 weeks. Learn, grow, look at your life. 26 weeks. And it's going to be beautiful. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that uh, you are God and we are not. And uh, God, I, uh, going back to Exodus, I thank you that you like us, but you are not like us. You are, you are uh, the one who is reigning. You are the creator, God. You are before all things ever were. And yet, you chose to love us. Before we lived one second, you loved us. You chose us before the creation of the world to be in Christ Jesus. And that's just further proof that you are the center of everything. So God, I pray for Missio Day Church, Lord, that we will learn again to live into the reality of what is, and that is that Jesus Christ is the core. You are Lord. You are our Savior. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to give our entire life to, our time, our talents, our treasures, our affections, our all. So God, help us. Enable us to respond to this call and Lord we ultimately trust you even for the fruit of living into this that many more will come to know Jesus Christ that we will become more emboldened to share this good news with those who do not yet know you so we trust you Lord we pray this all in jesus name and all god's people said